All right, good evening. Uh, last night of focus. You guys ready? Yeah, it is uh, it's an honor to be able to speak uh, here tonight. Uh, true story, uh, I was uh, asked about who, who should speak for Mission Focus, and I gave names like Jeff Bartel and other veteran uh, missionaries and pastors, not thinking about me, and then I was invited. I'm like, oh my, why did they invite me? But uh, I, I talked to the Lord, I said, hey, God, if you can use a donkey to speak, you can use me. So that's, that's my testimony. Uh, but tonight, we're going to be uh, in the book of Joshua. Uh, you know, Mike and I didn't plan for this, but uh, both of us were in the book of Joshua. So amazing how the Lord coordinated that. But the uh, book of Joshua, as you know, is an exciting book of conquest, isn't it? Uh, we see all kinds of miracles happen because God's people trust Him and and we see just all kinds of exciting things happen, like the Jericho walls falling, you know, and the people didn't have to do much other than marching around. We see the, uh, the, the sun and the moon stood still, and all these conquests, that should be a picture of what, to the New Testament, of how we should live, right? Live victoriously in Christ. And that's why the book of Joshua is so important that we, we know it. Uh, the title uh, of the message tonight is Five Mission Perspective. Five Mission Perspective, and I want to glean, uh, you know, I'm not going to go through all chapter 13 to 21, but I'm going to glean from some of the passages uh, from those chapters, looking into how did the children of Israel perceive mission in their life? Because they have a mission in their life, don't they? And their mission is to go take over the land that God has promised to the Father, right? To Father Abraham. Should we pray and then we'll get into it? Father, I just thank you so much, uh, Lord, that um, you're so good to us. Uh, Lord, you deserve all the praise and all the honor and all the glory. Uh, Lord, I pray that uh, tonight you will be glorified. And uh, Lord, that you would set me aside and uh, Lord, you would speak to the hearts of young people and old people and anything in between that, Lord, we would be envisioned to do your mission in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start with Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 and verse 27, uh, verse 6 and verse 21. Okay. And I believe this passage encapsulates the purpose God has for the children of Israel. Let's read together. Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out, he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in. Okay, you see, bring, brought us out, that's salvation, right? True justification. And that he might bring us in. And that's what? Sanctification, right? What, what does he want to do with the children of Israel? He doesn't want to just leave them in the wilderness. He wants to bring them into the promised land where they would get what? Okay, the next line, it says, to give us the land, Right? which he swore unto our fathers, okay? And, we, and when, when we compare Scripture to Scripture, we see Joshua 1.6, it says, Be strong and of good courage. This is what God told Joshua. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. 
God wants to give the children of Israel inheritance. And, and guess what? That still applies for us today. God wants to give us not so much land, but fruit, right? John 15, verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that what? That we bear much fruit. You know, what father and, and, and mother doesn't want their children to do well, right? And that is the heart of our father, man, that we bear much fruit. And for the children of Israel, it was the land that God has promised them. At a high level, you see that's 24 chapters. And I thought, man, it's interesting in terms of the outline of Joshua. There's some numbering there that I thought was really interesting. I'll just point it up. It's in your outline, not in the PowerPoint. Uh, but you can see the first five chapters is the, their preparation to enter into the promised land. And that's five, okay? Five is uh, grace, right? So there is a, there's a need to be strong in the grace, to prepare to enter into that land. And then we have six to 12, that's the conquest of the, uh, of the land. And that's seven chapters there. Uh, and uh, man, seven is perfect. Right? God used the mature people, and that maturing process required us to go and do missions, do discipleship, winning people to Christ and disciple them and training leaders. And then we have this next part, which is chapter 13 to 21, which is the division of the inheritance. And there's nine chapters. And guess what? Nine is, again, fruit, right? Fruit. God wants us to bear much fruit. It's so amazing Right, that God spent nine chapters just to talk about inheritance and the, the allocation of inheritance. So when we read, uh, uh, um, when we read uh, these chapters in inheritance in uh, chapter 15 and verse 1, um, we see that it will say, go into this land and uh, go into the, uh, the, the, the different lots that they will have to get through the river and through this land and to that land. And like, it goes on and on for nine chapters. And we're like, man, why, why would God spend so much time uh, doing that? But if it's our name written in those passages, can you imagine how different that would be? Right? Randy Copeland, man, you're going to have this, you know, this part of the land and it will stretch to the river of Mississippi to this land. Man, now you're getting excited, right? If our names is on there, oh my goodness, that would be so exciting, right? And then the word inheritance appear in the Bible uh, 200 times, but out of that 200 times, 58 times is mentioned in the book of Joshua, right? God takes inheritance very seriously because as a father, he just wants to, you know, their children to have that land for us. It is for fruit, and I'm going to compare uh, the New Testament passages. In Ephesians 1, verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Colossians 3:24 says, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. And then 1 Peter 1, 4 to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. Wow, that is some good return on investment, isn't it? Not like the Tesla stock or Amazon stock or your 401k. 
I mean, man, you lose so much, you know, you lost like 50%. Man, God's investment never fadeth away. What an amazing promise. So that leads me to uh, mission perspective number one. We're going to go through five perspectives, okay? Mission perspective number one, I believe God, but I will still prioritize my needs, hopes, and dreams, okay? I believe God, but I will still prioritize my needs, hopes, and dreams. So let's read Numbers 32, verse 1 to 5. Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And when they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. The children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the princess of the congregation, saying, Atheroth and Debon and Jazer and Nimrah and Heshbon and Eliliah and Shebam and Nebo and beyond, even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thus thy servants have cattle. Wherefore said they, If we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servant for a possession, and bring us not over Jordan. Oh my goodness. Okay, let's break this down real quick, okay? So these guys have cattle, cows, right? And they must have like Wagyu A5 cows. Uh, because they, they, man, they saw the land before going over Jordan and say, oh my goodness, this, this works out, right? So in their mind, man, that works out. But did we just read from Deuteronomy chapter 6 that the purpose of God, right, is not that it works out for us. He has a plan. What was the plan, right? To bring us out so that he can bring us in, bring them into the promised land. And so they're saying, hey, we don't, don't, don't bring us in, you see? So, so Moses, like, wow, he, he, man, he, he, you know, he, he gave them a serious rebuke from verse 6 and 15. It was a serious re rebuke. He said, why would ye discourage the children of Israel? Like, don't you remember, you know, the 20-year-old uh, men and above, man, they all died in the wilderness. Why would you do this again? And you would think after that serious rebuke, they would say, okay, okay, we get it. Uh, you know, let, let, let's go into the promised land. But they didn't. They compromised, right? And say, hey, man, we'll, we'll go battle with you, uh, but we want to come back to this place, right? And the crazy thing is they have not even seen what God has in store in the promised land, okay? They haven't even seen that. And guess what? Look at Joshua 22, verse 9. See, this is where, how did it work out for them? How did it work out for them? Joshua 22, verse 9. And the children of Reuben and the children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh returned. This is after they, they battled. And departed from the children of Israel out of Shiloh, which is the land of Canaan, to go unto the country of Gilead, to the land of their possession, whereof they were possessed, according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. Do you know that Shiloh, right, is a prophetic name of Messiah? Right, so they are leaving Shiloh, right? And where are they going? They are going to the country of Gilead. Gilead means stony or rocky place. You see the picture here, right? They're going from Shiloh, right? Uh, even means tranquil, secure, and success. The Messiah 
to go into a, you know, a rocky place with cattles, right? That they have to work for, right? That's the irony. They did all the work battling with the children of Israel, and now they come back to their land, they still have to work the land with the cows and all that, right? And the rocks. Now, compared to the, the other tribes which went to, to the land, right, to the promised land, look at Joshua 24 and verse 13. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not. And ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye planted, not do ye eat, just as Moses said, okay? So all their brethren were there, and they didn't have to work for that land. Someone else already did it, and God gave to them. Isn't it much better than what they have, right? So mission point number one, right, is do not let a good thing take away the best thing that God has for us, Amen. right? Do not let a good thing take away the best thing God has for us. The good is always the enemy of the best, right? The good is always the enemy of the best. And I'm not saying that we can't have a career or be successful in a secular thing, right? But when it comes to it, when God is asking us to do something specific, right, we have to answer the call and say no to what we want, amen? Right? So, man, when I was uh, 20, I'll give you a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, and 40-year-old me, okay? At 20-year-old, I graduate from college, and I, I was a book geek, and I graduate 4.0, and my hopes and dream was to go to a high-tier MBA school, right? And, 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 and I applied, and I got in with scholarship and everything, and I, man, I prayed to the Lord and didn't have peace, right? And I didn't go for it, and instead when, you know, to study at KCBT. What I didn't know, right, was God was setting me up to the Harvard School, right, of, of spiritual maturity at KCBT. Man, praise the Lord, man, so thankful for that. When I was 30 years old, I was doing a, uh, you know, short-term missions in L London, turns out to be five years. Uh, I was a tent maker working and got promoted and everything. And again, after five years, I was doing everything I was supposed to do in London, serving the church, winning people to Christ, discipling them. And the Lord says, hey, um, you know, would you give up all that, right? And, and by the way, at, at that point, earning high six-figure income, and no joke, uh, a Bentley takes me to work, you know, when I go, go to different offices. And... Uh, and, and I was walking in London uh, Bridge, I remember, and God, like, hey, I want you to, is it okay, actually, is it okay for you to give those things up? And my response was, why? <laughs> right? And then immediately, man, I just start tearing up, and I, I, I saw, oh my goodness, man, what am I doing? I'm a servant of Christ. These things are, doesn't even you know, it's not me. You gave me all that promotion. You did all those things, and why would I do that? And uh, again, so, man, so sorry, Lord. And I went, you know, obeyed God and came back to Kansas City uh, and uh, was um, working for the church as a mission intern for 10 bucks an hour. Best decision of my life, okay? <laughs> I mean, wouldn't trade it for anything. Man, if I think about all the people that we got to lead to the Lord through Friends of International. I can't even count them, 
so thankful to the Lord that, uh, man, he just, you know, convicted me. And then at 40 years, uh, I'm 43 right now, again, man, uh, we, we own a real estate business and we are in the cuffs of being able to scale our business and doing really well. Again, God is like, hey, I got a mission for you, right? And uh, here we go again. And, and again, can't shake off this thing, try to get Taylor Swift advice, but could not shake it off, right? <laughs> And, uh, you know, man, got to work with the pastoral team. And, man, everyone is seeing it. Pastors came to Vietnam and got to go, right? So mission perspective, too. Let, let's go into mission perspective, too. I love God, but I will keep giving myself reasons why the mission is for someone else, Right? I love God, but I will keep giving my re, uh, myself reasons why the mission is for someone else. Let's read Joshua 18, verse 1 to 3. And the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there, and the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, how long are ye slack to go possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers had given you? Okay, so at this point, the other tribes of the children of Israel has received their land of inheritance. The, and, and it says the land there was subdued. It was ready to be conquered, right? We may even call in the New Testament ripe to harvest. But what's happening, right? In the New Testament it says, but the laborers were few, right? Very same situation here. They were slang. Joshua called them, why? Man, what are you waiting for? How long are you slack to go possess the land, right? And the word slack is also translated as weak, feeble, alone, down, fail, right? But we need to remember that God used what? The weak things and the weak people, right? Even with a bad track record, and he used them to confound the wise. Amen? Man, talk, you know, I'm a weak person. I, you know, talk to my wife. Man, so many floors. But God still chooses to use me, right? And when we look at the different characters in the Bible, we see Jacob was insecure. Joseph was abused. Moses started. Gideon was poor, right? Rahab was immoral. David was an adulterer. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was down and depressed. Abraham was old. Jonah was reluctant. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Timothy was timid. Paul had some health issues. Naomi was bitter. Right? God used those people mightily. And for, for Naomi, man, you know what was her remedy? It was doing what the Lord would have her to do, which was to disciple Ruth. And guess what, man? From bitterness to praising God in the end. Amen? And that's what God wants to use all of us, right? So, so key point number two, God wants to use all of us in the Great Commission so we can do well at the judgment seat of Christ. Notice, right, in, 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 in the verse three, it says it, it is a land that God has already given them. It was a promise. Just go get it. Does that make sense? 
right? Same thing in Ephesians 1.3. It says, Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. God has given us what? The Holy Spirit. He's given us the Bible. He's given us a church. He's given us everything that we need, right? And then Matthew 28, all power has been given unto him. Go, right? So why are we slacking, right? God has given us great promises, right? And we got to engage. We got to engage. You know, I like, I like a Braveheart. Have anyone seen Braveheart? Uh, Yes, yes, some, not, not everyone, but I, I love, every time I watch that, I'm so like fired up, you know, and for those who, who didn't know, there's a character in the, in the story where he's, he's always making compromises, like didn't want to fight, you know, didn't want to fight, and then in the last scene, finally, after Braveheart died, right, he was supposed to, again, make a truce and compromise, and he had this handkerchief and like, you know, that's William Wallace's handkerchief before he died, and he looked back, and he said, you bled with Wallace, now bled with me, right? <laughs> and then, uh, man, they charge out. Man, that should be us, right? And the difference is they, 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 have, they have no full authority, right? But, man, we do. We got power from above, and we should charge ahead, okay? So let's look at mission perspective number three. Mission perspective number three. When things get difficult, it is tempting to compromise. Okay? When things get difficult, it is tempting to compromise, which always leads to sin. We see this in, in, in Judges all the time. But let's read Joshua chapter 17, verse 11 to 13. And Manasseh had in Issachar and in Asher, Bashan and her towns, and Iblim and her towns, and the inhabitants of Dor and her towns, and the inhabitants of Endor and her towns, and the inhabitants of Tanar and her towns, and the inhabitants of Megiddo and her towns, even three countries. Yet the children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities. But the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass, when the children of Israel were waxen strong, that they put the Canaanite to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. So we see initially the western tribe of Manasseh was struggling to drive them out. But that's okay, right? Because ministry is difficult. We heard that this whole mission conference, it takes time. I mean, Kale has been there two years and he's just laying the foundation. No one's get saved yet. But man, it takes time, right? All ministry takes time. In Exodus 23, 29, uh, you know, God says, I will not drive them out from thee in one year lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. He says, by little and little, I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Okay? But even after they got stronger, the Bible says they got waxen stronger, they had momentum going for them, and yet they didn't do it. Right? Instead, what they did was they put them in tribute. They made a leak and put them in tribute, okay? So for those who are not familiar, tribute, it's not just a financial tax, but it's also forced labor, right? We see that in Joshua chapter 9, where, where uh, the Gibeonites uh, trick, you know, the children of Israel. They, they pretended that they, they came from a faraway country. They had all these old things, you know, moldy things, and they tricked the children of Israel, and Joshua didn't consult 
the Lord, and they, they got tricked. And uh, they made a league with him. And the Bible says they make them hewer of wood, right? And then, uh, and then to carry uh, their water. And so the children of Israel might have seen that and said, oh man, th this makes life easier. You see that? And so every time when things get difficult, you know what they do? They take shortcuts, right? And that shortcut for them, the, the, the thing that made their life easy, right, became a permanent problem for them in the future, right? It became a thorn for them. And God says, I will not drive out, you know, the Canaanites for you anymore, okay? And then, so for us, how does this apply, right? Ministry is difficult and it takes time, but we need to be very careful not to compromise and take shortcuts because those shortcuts, right, can come back and bite us just like it did with the children of Israel. Uh, I shared this story before. I, I met a pastor in Vietnam, and uh, we, you know, we did a discipleship conference with him, poured my heart out in that discipleship conference, and at the end of it, right, uh, we, we met in coffee shop. He realized what discipleship was, and he said, Pastor, man, that, that is a lot of work, right? That is a lot of work, and I, and I told him, Man, parenting is a lot of work, right? Same thing. And so he didn't want to do the work, but he want the results, if you will, right? And the same with us, and, and we have to be very careful. I know we are disciple-making church, but you know what? We can, we can also take shortcuts in discipleship. We can just go, do you know that you can go through lessons with your disciple and not actually have any transformation? Right? We can not prepare for lessons because we've done it before. I already dis discipled two person. Now I don't have to prepare. Right? Now I don't have to pray. Now I don't have to keep that person as accountable as I need to. Right? I, we only need to just meet once uh, every, every, every month or so. Well, that's not discipleship. Right? That's shortcuts. And guess what? That DNA would not be the same anymore. Right? And the same way, that's why I'm so thankful to God, I'm so thankful for all the churches that's been praying for us. Man, these guys that you, you saw earlier in, in the video, I'm so thankful that, man, we didn't make it easy for them. In fact, we have run through, I think, three or four guys started discipleship, but we didn't continue because I'm like, man, we're not doing that. And if you're not really counting the cost, man, we got to stop. Right? So, so church, man, we got to continue Right, to make disciples without taking any shortcuts. We've got to do the work of the ministry. I'm so thankful uh, that, that our pastors here in Midtown, man, set such a good example. Thank you, Pastor Sam. Right, just watched this man for 20 years, and man, it's the same, same fervency to just do the work of the ministry, just hard labor. And I, I remember even times when he gets frustrated. You know what? Ministry is always just one soul at a time, you know, because <laughs> it's just not easy. And, and now we're big, but back in the days, it wasn't, it wasn't this. It's one soul at a time, right? So key point number three, we must keep the standard of the Great Commission where the Bible puts it. We must keep the standard of the Great Commission where the Bible uh, puts it. Okay, so let's go into mission perspective number four. Mission perspective number four, I am entitled to God's blessing and promotion because I'm awesome, right? You think this is a joke, but it's not. Okay, let's read Joshua 17, uh, verse 14 to 15. 
And the children of Joseph spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? Man, what pride. For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto, and Joshua answered them, If thou be great people, then get thee up to the wood country and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants, if Mount Ephraim to be too narrow for thee. Right? Very interesting, their assessment of themselves. Because when we compare Scripture to Scripture, we see the numbering of the children of Manasseh isn't even that big. When we compare them, uh, the children of jo uh, Joseph is Manasseh and Ephraim, they're only about 70,000. Compared to Judah, Judah is 74,600. And Dan is not, you know, Dan is not too far, and Benjamin and Asher, man, they are not that far either in numbering. So, man, they are seeing themselves like big deal when they're really not a big deal, right? And we got to be careful, right, that we don't fall into the trap, that thing, just because I've gone through D1, D2, and LFBI, man, I'm a big deal. Uh, guess what? Man, we're nobodies. We're nobodies, right? Joshua was very wise in answering. If you are that great, go do the work, right? Go do the work. Right? Go, go cut those trees down and conquer the land. That is the answer. And the same thing with discipleship, right? Sometimes, again, when we scale into a, a bigger church, right, where, where there are more people uh, that are won to Christ, we expect to get paired up with disciples, don't we? Right? Those who are bigger, the, 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 the bigger churches. And man, that's, a, that's one way to do it. But sometimes, like, some people will complain, like, man, I've been waiting for two months. Like, man, where, where, where's my disciple, right? Man, that's the wrong attitude. That's like entitled. And the answer to that person should be, man, just go win someone to Christ, right? Just go win someone to Christ. And that's what Joseph said, right? Joseph said, the hill is not enough for us and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of B Bashan and her town and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. So this... This is what children of Joseph is saying, counter to what uh, Joshua said. Like, man, they are, they are chariots, and then the hills is not that many, uh, that not, not that big anywhere. Okay? So the symptom for spiritual immaturity is entitlement and excuses. Right? The symptom for spiritual uh, maturity is entitlement and excuses. So key point number four, let's humble ourselves and do the work of ministry faithfully, and I may add to that, quietly, then let God promote us in due time, right? Let's humble ourselves and do the work of the ministry faithfully, then let God promote us in due time. Man, forget about, like, being entitled, and, uh, man, just expecting blessing, right? Be the children of Dan, you know, Chirna Dan in, in Joshua 19, verse 47, and the coast of Chirna Dan went out too little for them. Okay, I see a problem. I, man, it's too small. Therefore, the Chirna Dan went up to fight again Lashem and took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and possessed it. That's the attitude. All of us should go and win people to Christ. And ultimately, it's God that gives the promotion. Psalm 75, verse 6 says, For promotion cometh neither from the east nor from the west nor from the south. But God is the judge, right? He putteth down one and setteth up another, 
right? Man, don't be respectful of man. Don't feel like you have to showcase like what you did. And man, I let, pastor, I let 10 people to the Lord, right? And in fact, you coax someone to pray a prayer, right? And so on. Man, let's not try to impress anybody uh, to get any promotion, right? God is the one who promotes. Let's go into mission perspective number five. This is the last one. Okay, this person is full of faith and is willing to do the hard work of sowing and waiting to see it come to pass, right? This person is full of faith. Who are we referring to? Caleb. Okay, let's read Joshua 14, verse 6 to 11. Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenazite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord had kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years ever since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old, as yet I am strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Okay, so let's break it down really quick. So the Lord has kept him alive, right, the last 45 years. 45 years, Caleb had to wait for this time, right? And it wasn't his fault. It was the other people's fault, right? So it, I would say it would have been reasonable for Caleb to complain, but he did not, right? It would have been reasonable for Caleb to lose hope, but he did not. It would have been reasonable for Caleb to have PTSD, right? Post-traumatic disorder because he saw so many people died. Remember? Only Joshua and him, you know, in terms of the, the soldiers, 20 up and above, man, so many people died, right? But he didn't, no PTSD, right? Kept going, 45 years. It would have been reasonable for Caleb to be bitter because he's much older now and say, oh man, I'm so much older now, I can't really enjoy the land as much as I could if I was younger, right? But he didn't. He waited. And, and man, he is ready still at 85 years old. How crazy is that, right? What a testimony that we see in Caleb. He's an all-in guy, right? Not only he's ready uh, for battle, right? The, the Bible says he wholly followed the Lord. And when we look at the genesis of that, we saw Right? When the, remember the spies when they went out? Right? Only Joshua and Caleb came back with the good report. Right? And then with the 10 bad report, they influenced the whole tribe. Right? It estimated to be a million to two million people. And they were crying all night and, uh, and angry with the Lord. And, you know, and, and Caleb was like, man. Let's go. If the Lord has given us the land, let's just go, right? And uh, man, they, they were still discontent, right? And then complain again and complain again to the point when, when Caleb again tried to persuade them, man, we can do this because the Lord is with us. 
man, they tried to stone him. Right? Remember that? And then the, it's so intense that the Lord had to intercede during that time. Right? And came to the tabernacle there. And so, so Caleb isn't a respecter of persons. He's a man that fears God. And that's what we need. Right? That's what we need today. Right? The Bible says uh, in Proverbs 14, verse 26, In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. You know, and Caleb didn't have to run, right? He didn't have to run because it says, Proverbs 28, 1, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as lion. Okay, so key point number five. A person who wholly follows the Lord will be able to achieve exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, right? He can do that. So look at, look, at, look at Joshua's last uh, bit in, uh, last verse in Joshua chapter 14, verse 12. It says, Now give me this mountain, right? Whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou hearest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord with, uh, will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out. So at 85 years old, he's asking, for this land in the giants, 85 years old, you would think, man, just go get a tiny land and be done with your retirement. Caleb, retire at 85, but not Caleb. Give me that land, right? When I asked for it back in 40, man, I'm still as strong. Lord, I want that. And Joshua, give me that land. And, and guess what? At 85 years old, we will see the report that man, the Lord gave him that land and he conquered the, the sons of Anang, the giants there, and God gave him that land. Isn't it amazing, right? That, that it's not, the age couldn't even restrict that, right? So those who are, any 85-year-old over here, right? No, no 85, man, there's still time, right? There's still time to go, right? So I want to close tonight with, with Joshua 18, verse 8. I want to close with Joshua 18, verse 8. I'm going to invite Pastor Sam uh, to close us out in the invitation. I want to uh, give this charge that Joshua gave to the children of Israel to get them to engage in the mission that God has for them, okay? Joshua chapter 18, verse 8. And the men arose and went away, and Joshua charged them that went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land and describe it, and come again to me, that I may here cast lots for you before the Lord in Shiloh. Okay, so I got three specific words, or, or actually not just words, but phrases, okay, that I want to pull out from here that, that, that I feel like Joshua is giving them. So number one is arise. Get up out of your safe place, right? Arise, get up out of your safe place. We have to purposely get out of mediocrity in order to take the possession of the inheritance that God has for us. So arise. Number two, go and walk. Walk through every area of our life and allow God to reveal areas of our life that we have not allowed Him to possess. Right? Psalm 139 verse 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. Lord, is there something that, man, I'm still holding on to? Right? My, my hopes and dream that, man, I'm still holding on to. I'm not giving it to you. I'll prioritize me. What are those areas in your life? And then finally, 
Uh, it says, describe it and come again to me. So tell Joshua, tell Jesus what you see. Pour your heart out to him, right? And then confess. Confess means agree with him about those areas. Yeah, God, man, I, you're right. I wasn't on the same page with you. Your will be done, not my will. And then, and then allow him to possess and transform all of us today, right? Because the final point here is we will never fully possess everything that God has intended for us until God fully possess all of me. Amen? Let's pray. And then I have Pastor Sam come up and close us out. Father, I just thank you uh, so much for tonight. Thank you for the example that Caleb has, Lord, to be all in, to be wholly following you. And Lord, help us not to get trapped in those perspectives, Lord, that, that prioritize us. Lord, help us not to get lazy and slack and not engage and not answering your call. Now, Lord, I pray for, for, for everyone tonight. Lord, if, if you're speaking already in their hearts this last uh, three, three nights, uh, Lord, if someone hasn't responded this, this, this last two nights, and Lord, tonight is a night, Father, that I, I pray that you would speak to that person and cause them to just respond to you and agree with you that you're worthy to lay down my life to serve you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.